Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name's Chris, and I'm joined by Stu. Hello. And by Tom. Hi. The we- temptation there to do a dual intro with you, Chris, was almost overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference lost on most people because we edited that hot mess over the last uh, episode. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those people that were there for the live recording will know exactly what you're talking about. And it'll end up on Patreon bumper of outtakes. It's it's definitely going to be in the outtake <laughs> special coming up. Um, but we're here to talk about the Mexican Grand Prix, which seems to have sort of split opinion, I think, from what I've seen. A lot of people seem to have not particularly enjoyed that race. It, I think we, we were sort of discussing it just now before we started. It's one of those situations where in any other season, this would have been a perfectly fine race, but within the context of 2021, it probably seemed a bit less interesting given the races we've had this year, I think it's fair to say. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's my camp. I think it was a race that was going into Sunday morning. It was kind of, it felt very poised for... Mm-hmm. For, for for us to have a proper, you know, chase for the win, really, it felt like yeah. before the race started. And then quite quickly after turn one, um, it, that idea sort of dissipated, didn't as, it? But, um, as a neutral viewer, Verstappen taking the lead at turn one was about the worst thing that could have happened, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we talk about turn one, shall we do the other bits first and lead into that? Or do you want to just go straight into Yeah, we should probably talk about qualifying first, I think, because qualifying was Mm. great. I really enjoyed qualifying this weekend. Um, Yeah. Much closer than I think a lot of people expected. Um, Certainly on one lap pace, the Mercedes and Red Bull seemed very closely matched. Um, I think... Red Bull probably did have the advantage from what we had seen through sort of practice and Q1, Q2, but still very, very close. Um, when it came down to it, though, in Q3, the Mercedes were the faster two cars on the first runs. Both Red Bulls made mistakes on their first runs in qualifying. Um, and then we was another one of those weird situations where I don't think any of the top guys actually improved their times in their second runs in Q3. Um Certainly not the Red Bulls, and I don't think either Mercedes did either, if I remember rightly. Um, no, the, the Mer- I don't think the Mercs did it all. No. Didn't get close, did they? But obviously the Red Bulls were both sort of lost their laps as a result of, um, well, Sonoda being off track, Isn't... followed by Perez being off track. <clears throat> no, whoa, 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 you need to rephrase that, because well, that's very not carefully... accurate. Well, Sonoda was off the track and then Perez was off the track. That's factual. Yeah, but yeah, Perez wasn't fact. off. Pe- mm, okay, that, I mean, on the face of it, that is factual. But let's. But that makes it sound like Sonoda had had some sort of off causing Perez to have his off, when actually that's not the case. Per- Sonoda just went off the track to let Perez through. Yeah. And Perez was distracted by that and lost his lap. I've seen and then that made Verstappen lose his lap. I've seen some people try to argue that there was dirty air involved, but I don't think Snowden was no. moving fast enough to cause dirty air. Definitely not. Absolutely. Um, he almost came to a standstill yeah, for the certainly circuit to let the Ferraris through. So kicked up a bit of fast dust, like that won't have helped, but 
Um, well, I think the dust is what distracted Perez because yeah. Perez would have seen the dust and thought, oh my, oh my goodness, someone's gone off ahead of me. I need to lift. Yeah. And I think then the same exact same thing to a slightly lesser degree happened to Verstappen. And then Verstappen's also thinking, not only is Verstappen thinking cars ahead of me have gone off, I'm traveling at 200 miles an hour nearly. He's also thinking, oh, there might be a yellow flag. I'd better lift. But which, which is ironic. Though, Go on, sorry. Well, the key there is he's not in in football. There's a phrase that goes "play to the whistle." Yeah. So you you wait until the whistle's blown, and it's it should in theory be the same principle in Formula One. You wait until you've seen the yellow flag, then you would lift. But at those speeds and a big cloud of dust ahead of you, I don't think I'd keep my foot in. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's funny though that he Verstappen lifted, anticipating there being a yellow flag that never actually came. Whereas a couple yeah. of years ago, he lost pole position because he kept his mm-hmm. foot in through a yellow flag. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly matured, hasn't he? If yeah, that's yeah, the case. definitely. Like, I that's, think that's, you know, yeah, that's definitely like a testament to, to him these days for sure. Um, Christian Horner and uh, Helmut Marco were very quick to blame Sonoda and to criticize him in interviews before they'd even spoken to him. In fact, Sonoda found out they'd been saying these things in an interview himself with a camera in his face. Um, and it's just not on, is it? Like, No, it's absolutely no. outrageous. It's, 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 it's totally inappropriate what, what, what both Horner and what Helmut Marco did to that driver. Mm. I, think, I think it's absolutely... You know, bear in mind that these two guys are supposed to be on his side, they're, they're he's yeah, their driver yeah. still. Even and, though he's he's driving for the, the sister team, there's you know it's the Red Bull. They call it the Red Bull family. The the Avatari is a red and, is a white and blue Red Bull. Yeah, um, they should be supporting their drivers. It's at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with Yuki. Yuki did what the team told him to do. They, they gave Gasly the toe. Yeah, and then he let Gasly through, and then he was on a he just happened to be on a slow lap as a result of that, while everyone else was on their fast laps. Mm-hmm. had nothing to do with... If, if they were going to have a go at anyone, they should have been having a go at um, Franz Tost or yeah, whoever's if, running strategy for that team. If anyone's to be criticised, it's the team for not giving Yuki the information he needed to deal with the situation in a potentially better way. Like, that's the only real genuine criticism. But, like, he can't disappear. Like he's got yeah, every exactly. right to be out on the track. He got through to Q three. Yes, he had a penalty, but they were using him, as you say, to give um, Gasly the toe, like most of the teams have been doing. He can't just disappear. And and, and he, he look, he was off. He was off the circuit. He was out of the way. Yeah, he exactly. was well out yeah. of the way. He was Plus, well like out he, of the he way. He didn't actually Perez. hinder him at all. No, Perez yeah. was just distracted by the cloud of just. If anything. Red Bull should have been saying, "You've got a slow car ahead of you. Be be aware mm. that the car will be there, and there might be, yeah. you know, might Plus, be dirt. yeah, it might be dust." Red Bull had again sent their cars out as the last two to do their runs in Q three, yeah. which is yeah. always a risk. Every time you do that, you're taking a risk that someone in front of you is gonna have an off, or there'll be a yellow flag, or whatever, and it's burned them plenty of other times. So yeah. it's a shame. The it's, reason. The reason they would do that is is just just in the it's, it's to play de- not devil's advocate as such, but just in their defense, I guess. Like there is a logic to sending your two drivers out last of anyone, and mm-hmm. especially your key driver out last of because that track was evolving 
a lot over yeah. the over the race weekend. There's been a lot of track evolution. It got quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. Really, quite there was quite a, a lot of evolution. So it does make sense for your lead driver to go out absolutely last on track to get the absolute maximum from the track. But yeah, that comes with the risk of. Yeah. What happening, you know, if there is a yellow flag, if something happens ahead, then you might get your lap ruined. And at the end of the day, if they'd put good enough laps in on the first runs, then, you know, they wouldn't have been in that situation, would they? Well, yeah, exactly. It's very true. It's just trying to... It's it's trying to find someone to blame except yourselves, Hmm. isn't it? And It's scapegoating. It's It's finger-pointing. And it's the kind of thing that I actually thought Red Bull had got past. Like... I've got a history of doing this stuff with drivers like Gasly, Kvyat, obviously the first that come to mind. And with Albon, they never really did much of this. They were always publicly very supportive of Albon right up until they dropped him. But still, they were generally quite supportive. And I actually really hoped they'd move past this. But this is just like kind of the Red Bull of old, isn't it? It's that just publicly criticizing your own drivers. And he is a driver like... I think Verstappen aside, every other driver in that family, they have a Red Bull contract that covers both teams, which is why they're able to move their drivers between the two teams so easily. Mm. And yeah, it's just not nice. Not good to see. And like poor Sonoda, like there's a thing you watch the interview where he found out that they had been like criticizing him. And, you know, you could see he was obviously immediately very worried. He said he avoided social media for the rest of that day because he assumed he'd have been getting bashed on there as it happened there was an awful lot of support out there for him which was nice to see at least but like just not a nice thing to do to one of your drivers is it yeah he did he did he did do a, a little tweet that said um i did everything i could i think what is what he said mm-hmm. or it was words to that effect i did everything i could yeah and, which you can't um, argue with yeah but at the end of the day like all that aside, like, why should Yuki Tsunoda even? Uh, obviously, he wants the Red Bull drive, but is he ever? Is is Yuki Tsunoda ever going to drive for Red Bull? Uh, when you've got people form, like Yuri Vips yeah. in the wings, you know, you've got Pierre Gasly ahead of him at the at the AlphaTauri team. He doesn't really have much to lose anyway. So even if he did get in the way of them. Uh, I think for him, obviously he wants to keep his drive. He wants to stay in Formula 1. He wants to keep his seat. But I think, you know, he's not had the best season. And all he can do is what the team tells him. So I I guess it's just a really harsh situation for him as well. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult situation made worse by just crappy comments from management, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, which all ultimately, I think, flattered the Mercedes. I think the Red Bulls might have, if they got their laps in, they probably would have been a bit quicker than them. Based it, on, I, race I think if they had been able to put in a represent, fully representative lap, yeah, they probably would have been faster in qualifying. Um, but but they didn't. They had mm. their chance on the first run, and they both messed it up. So that's the that's the game. It's the way the crumbles. Should we move on to the race itself? Seems like a good time to do that. So it was a sort of, I think, if anything, I think Hamilton 
got maybe a better start than him and Mercedes expected. Um, and he was immediately alongside Bottas rather than able to sit in the slipstream, which is kind of the beginning of their problems, I think, wasn't it? I think if, if Hamilton mm. would be able to slip into the slipstream behind Bottas, he maybe would have been able to get a bit more of a slingshot into the first turn. But as it was, you ended up with the top three all side by side heading towards turn one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so, this is the whole irony in Red Bull's argument with qualifying for me because mm. ultimately we all knew that those in like sec- third, basically that spot was kind of pretty primo for this race. Well, we know about the drag down to turn one. We know that side's much cleaner and grippier than the other side. Like in hindsight, I mean, even in, we didn't even need hindsight. It was in foresight. I think we even discussed it literally on the show last week about how that side of the circuit is much grippier than the other. So yeah, we did. I, I, this is why I'd, this is one of the reasons why I had like quite a problem with them making such a big deal out of what happened with Yuki Sonoda because yeah, ultimately it's... he ended up in such a good position on the grid. Yeah, third is prime spot, if anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know what I'd rather be. I'd rather be on pole all day, every day. I mean, you don't, you, but... you don't win from pole in Mexico. That's like proven in the last, mm... what, five, six races we've had there since we went yeah. back. People, you don't win from pole. Fact. <laughs> it's not happened. It hasn't happened. Has it, has it not happened? The, the, not, the last, not the last, the I think era. it's the last three or four pole sitters haven't even finished in on the podium. Well, all... I mean, that's definitely true of Bottas, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? We'll yeah. that. Um, so, it's, it's just, it, it's just one of them things where there have been, pole there isn't have been everything in when, a race like this. There's been times when the Reb, when the Mercedes have started one and two and they've held first and second through turn one. Uh, yeah, there probably have been. There was the Vettel challenge where Vettel couldn't get by either of them and they eventually mm-hmm. got, got through turn one. And then, and actually that led to the, it was turn two where Verstappen hit Hamilton and yeah. um, they both ended up on the yeah. grass. Hamilton lost a bunch of places, blah, blah, blah. Um, look, the start of this race for Bottas, Bottas got a great start. All, the three of them got really good starts off the line. They yeah. moved absolutely in sync, off, up through the gears perfectly well. <clears throat> Verstappen obviously had the slipstream. Bottas made absolutely no effort, in my opinion, to defend um, the outside line. He was looking in his mirror at the outside line, watching mm. Verstappen coming up alongside him. He just made no effort to to block it off that avenue. Was I don't know. I don't understand why. I just cannot fathom why i think ultimately probably verstappen might have got by him anyway but i mean we'll never know that we don't know how difficult it was to drive in the dirty mm. air behind the cars and things so it's, it's so that's a really tough one and judging by how difficult it was for perez to get by hamilton later in the race which actually never happened um but sorry how difficult it was for perez to follow hamilton yeah you do wonder whether I think it would have been a different race. I think you would have had an entire race of, of a race of chase. <laughs> and instead we had this race of, we, we, I guess we did have an end of race of chase with Perez chasing Hamilton, but we had, I need to stop saying that, but we had um, Hamilton just consistently, what, half a second slower a lap than yeah. Perez, than yeah. Verstappen for the entire race. And Verstappen was able to just, take that clean air and run away with it 
so we obviously and obviously we don't know what kind of issues there were there could have been issues with the following for the mercedes we've not really i've not really seen anything i've been really busy today so it's been difficult to keep track of the sort of fallout of it but to me it felt like whoever got that position into turn one this weekend probably was theirs to lose so i'm absolutely in agreement with tom about sort of you know the the ramifications of turn one at mexico yeah i think the the other thing as well though is i think i think bottas is getting a bit of a a hard deal with this just because if he was if he was doing absolutely like the the whole breaking zone thing is the thing that i'm getting at really here and if bottas was really being so easy on the brakes and not fighting for that position lewis would have been yonks ahead of him as well the fact that him and Lewis were essentially side by side, and then not long after that, you've got Lewis saying, "We need to." Um, I can't remember if it was during the race actually, or if it was earlier in the weekend, but I just remember him saying that they've got problems with the brakes, like they needed to sort the braking, and I think yeah. it was just the balance. The balance wasn't right for them through most of the mm-hmm. weekend, and. I think something like that was highlighted by the fact that Max was able to slingshot himself around the outside. But if Bottas was really being soft about it, he'd have ended up letting Lewis like clean through as well. I mean, I know Lewis did get through, but Lewis had to fight for it. Mm, yeah, but uh, Lewis, you know, Lewis was always going to have to break. Both of those cars were always going to have to break that little bit sooner than Verstappen because they're on the inside and they're off the racing line yeah, they're yeah. In the dirt and they're on, the, they're on the dirty stuff Verstappen had a huge advantage because of his position on track yeah. he was in on the clean tarmac which he'd been allowed to get by by Bottas Bottas had absolutely no reason to leave that amount of space down the outside of the the race circuit on the on the clean stuff no yeah it's um weird it, it, to, to me it is weird and it and it smacks of to me, it felt like Bottas speaking on track, saying, why should I be number two driver to Lewis Hamilton? That's what it felt like to me. I'm not even sure it's... I I don't even think it's that. I, I kind of just think it's another example of poor racecraft from Bottas, which has always been one of his Achilles heels. And, mm. like... You, you in that situation, you're going three wide. You either want to be on the inside or the outside. The middle is the absolute worst place to be, and he just yeah. sat there in the middle of the track. Like it was like a deer in the headlights. Mm, yeah, it totally was. Like I think he was like I, I, and I do believe that he's still okay to be playing the um, the team game and the number two driver. Like I think there was an interview earlier in the weekend because obviously there was all the talk about oh, what if Perez is leaving. And Bottas was just like, I know my job here. Like, I've got no problems with what I'm here to do kind of thing. So maybe like, maybe he was anticipating towing Lewis down into turn one and the fact that Lewis was suddenly alongside him just kind of threw him. Like he hadn't yeah. planned for that almost. But I just, just don't believe that. You just have to I get don't... on the, in that situation, you just have to get on the racing line. Like it's so clear that how, how many, there weren't many overtakes in this race, but almost all of them were people going round the outside at turn one. It's just how you do it there. So to just sit in the middle of the track is just, it's just not good enough, is it really, in that situation? Yeah. It was weak. It was a weak, mm. weak start from him. I, it's probably his worst start it, of the entire it, season. Yeah, he got off it, the line fine, but it was the, it's, the conduct of the start was the issue here. 
Mm. I think there's an element though, like Max was very, very quick behind him. And I think that when, I, when I've kind of watched it back and tried to assess what happened, the one thing that I can see is that initially Bottas kind of goes to the outside line and there is a, there's a sort of a moment as they're heading down towards turn one that both the Red Bulls essentially look like they're going to come through the middle between the Mercs. And it's at that sort of point that Bottas kind of moves into the inside and Max is like, boom, I've got him. And he sort of switches around the outside. So I, I genuinely don't want to like kind of lay this all down as, oh, Bottas just had a rubbish start because I think there's an element of gamesmanship from Max coming up quick behind him to sell him the dummy of he's going to go through the middle. And when Bottas buys that and starts to shift over, Max knows he's got him and shifts to the outside. And I think when you sort of look back at the start, you can you can you know potentially see where I'm coming from with that when you, if you watch it from sort of Max's angle, uh, Max's aspect, I guess, of where he's initially going and then where he ultimately decides to go as the as the heading down into turn one. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch this right now. I'm going to watch you. Carry Bot- on. Bottas, watch Bottas could definitely have done better with it. Can't take. A, you know, can't deny that. But I just think that there is a sort of, there's a moment where Max jinks to the right and Bottas definitely thinks he's coming through the middle here. I need to stop him. And it, Max has essentially sold him a massive dummy. And I'm, I'm not saying, like I say, I'm not saying that's the only reason that he got around the outside because Bottas could have definitely done better with it. But there's a lot going on in that moment. And I think he's just yeah. fallen for it. There's definitely some overspeed there. Like as soon as he jinxes to the inside, he's like front wing is kind of already alongside Bottas's uh, rear wheels. So it's not like Bottas could have like covered him off as he moved. But yeah, and we should also say like we're talking about what Bottas did. Let's not take anything away from the fact that that was an incredible start from Max. Like well, that, that to was get the outside my... line to break so late to throw yeah. it around the outside that was incredible that, that was like my my other half of the point i guess is the fact that by putting all the blame at bottas's door if bottas just didn't do good enough i feel like we're detracting away from what was an excellent yeah. start from max and it you know just saying oh it's a bottas's fault he didn't really defend it takes that away i think when it was actually a really excellent yeah, totally. start totally um then shortly after that, we had uh, Ricardo tagging Bottas, sending him into a spin, uh, breaking his own front wing in the process. Ricardo said <laughs> during the race, he felt awful because he thought he had just locked up and run into the back of him. But having watched the replay, Ricardo is now of the opinion that, like, yes, he had a little lock up, but he kind of gathered it up before he turned in. And actually, it was probably just a turn one racing incident. The stewards didn't yeah. even look at it. No penalties given. And Bottas, Bottas was panicking that Max was flying around the outside of him and just cut to the apex with like yeah. no regard for who could be on his inside, basically coming up behind him. Um, and I think that there's an element of that. I, I, I mean, it, it is a turn one racing incident, I think. Yeah. But if you were, it's one of them where I think if you're going to place blame anywhere, I would probably be leaning very slightly more towards Bottas because of the way he comes back across the apex. Um, like mm. I say, just, just panicking a bit because he can see that one Red Bull's just flown around his outside and the other one's about to. Yeah, he definitely That's, was uh, like looking left as he was turning right, I think, at that point. Yeah. 
Um, but at the same time, Ricardo probably could have been a bit more cautious into turn one. But yeah, I, I do totally agree with it being a racing incident there. Yeah. Then behind that, Ocon got sandwiched between Snowden and Schumacher. They both sort of got popped up into the air off his front wheels. <laughs> How Ocon's Crazy. front suspension stayed in one piece through that, I don't yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, again, not even an investigation for that, no penalties, which again probably was it was very messy and clumsy but it probably was turn one racing incident i think yeah i mean everything just got very tight very quick didn't it especially with bottas facing the wrong way in the middle of the in the middle of the circuit between yes. turns one and two everything's just kind of gone to the scene of the accident from there like people got nowhere <laughs> to go uh, and i think that's that's kind of part and parcel of it but yeah, yeah totally. it is a racing incident, and I think Ocon's a, a little bit of a lucky boy getting out of that one without any major damage to the car. Yeah, totally. Uh, and in terms of the race at the front, that was kind of it, wasn't it? Like, yes, there was some other bits and bobs going on, but from from the point the safety car ended to the checkered flag, the only change in the top 10 was the fact that Giovinazzi and Russell dropped out of the points and Alonso and Norris moved up into the points. Everyone else finished exactly where they, in the order they were in at the point, the safety car went in on lap four. So not a whole lot of stuff going on at the front. Like, yes, there were, there there was a lot of, this might turn into something. This gap is closing a bit and it never really led to anything. Was it? It, I mean, it, it led to exactly what we see here a lot, which is cars getting, into a you know into a position where another circuit you might see a move in a lap or two to then be in in a position where everything's overheating because they're too close and and following in like very hot thin dirty air yeah i i said over the weekend in the discord chat as much as the the altitude of this circuit adds a lot of interesting factors to it when it comes to racing, I almost feel like it would be a better circuit to race on at sea level, <laughs> which yeah. I know is like reversing one of the most interesting things about it. But I, I really like this circuit, but it kind of doesn't lend itself to racing that well, unfortunately. No, sadly not. It's, I mean, there's some, there's some interesting moments. Like, mm-hmm. you know, turns one and two are brilliant for the an opening race and they're a great overtaking point as well. Mm-hmm. But, it's no good if you can't get close enough to then chase someone down that start finish straight to make the move work in turn one. Uh, and I think that's kind of the problem um, is that maybe the, the baseball stadium section in the, in the like final sector is a little bit too slow and twisty that people can't get up on the back of somebody before yeah. the big run down, down into turn one. I, I love know. it. I concept yeah. but they are very clumsy corners through there aren't they yeah it's just it's too slow and cumbersome and yeah i mean it's great it's great for someone like max verstappen in a situation of a safety car restart because that yeah. that allowed him to get a good restart there but then when it comes to racing it mm-hmm. it just detracts a little bit from it i think which is a shame because like you say as a as a feature from a fan point of view to be able to sit there and have that atmosphere and 
yeah. and have the cars coming through in the middle. Like, I mean, that that aspect of it is awesome. Yes. Yeah, um, but I, I, I guess they can't do much else with the circuit through there because he's going into a stadium section. So yeah. it's got to be slow speed corners, hasn't it? It's, it's got to be what it has because they probably wouldn't have the, the safety requirements to be able to do no. anything much more than what they're doing. Pretty limited runoff through there. Yeah. Speaking of Verstappen, he was basically never threatened. Uh, won by 16 and a half seconds in the end. Probably would be more than that if he hadn't been mucking around trying to get in Bottas's way while he was trying to get fastest lap towards the end. <laughs> that was a that was a an interesting choice to make under the circumstances, I thought. That could very easily have gone horribly wrong for him. But yeah, I mean he was just he was just unbeatable, wasn't he? There's no two ways about it. That was a yeah. about as dominant a race as they come. Yeah, that yeah. whole that whole Verstappen thing, like trying to trying to stop him getting the fastest lap was really interesting dynamic, I think. I think that obviously we would never get that if it wasn't for having this rule mm-hmm. of um a point for the fastest lap. So they're clearly still like desperate to eke out every single point that they can yeah. from a from a weekend because they know they're going to be vulnerable at places like Saudi Arabia, potentially Qatar, probably Abu Dhabi. So you know nothing's a certainty in this championship still, even though probably this has gone definitely swung the odds much more in their favor. I think this race win, but still yeah. like you know that you can see how desperate they are for each point. Um, the yeah, the whole the holding him up thing was it's actually really really clever because he knows that if he lets him by, he's gonna get blue flags. If he, if he slows down a little bit to let mm-hmm. him by, Bottas is gonna start getting the blue flags and he's gonna have to slow down so he won't be able to complete his lap and get the fastest lap. And it was a yeah. it was a really really clever little bit of nuance in 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 the psyche of like their race and obviously mercedes only option at that point then was to pit bottas again to then put play to so so that he would come out in a different point on the track so that he could actually set the fastest lap they even held him in the pit box for a while didn't they to yeah build the gap a little bit yeah yeah because initially it looked like there was a problem and then you sort of realized well hang on everyone's finished their job but like the car's good to go and then you're like oh they're waiting for the gap they're waiting for the gap there was some real like big brain thinking going on through that whole uh, phase, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hamilton, meanwhile, I mean, he was obvious pretty quickly that he was never going to be able to challenge Verstappen. His race ended up being with Perez uh, pretty early on. Uh, Perez pushed him pretty hard on fresh tyres for the last third of the race. Uh, he got DRS two or three times, but never really looked like getting close enough. He, he sort of caught massively in the last few laps like he dropped off to quite a chunk back and then all of a sudden the camera cut and he was like right on his tail again but uh, yeah it, it was a shame it would have been nice if they'd have got to have an actual duel in front of that crowd but it never really yeah. never really happened did I, it I, I think it comes back to what we were saying before about the difficulty that you can have following someone the fact that he was in such mm. a much better situation both you know, with the car, because there's no arguing that that car was the far better of no. the two um, this weekend. And being on much fresher tyres, he was in, you know, he was in the winning seat for that battle, in, in theory, on paper. Mm-hmm. But 
because of the difficulties following, it just never quite panned out. And no. that's a shame because it would have been really nice for Sergio to have taken that position at his home race. I mean, yeah, the, the way we saw them celebrate a third place, <laughs> it, you would have thought that he'd won the race. So yeah. imagine if he had somehow managed to pick up a second or or a first, like in some yeah, it's... alternate universe, it would have been insane. Yeah, it was great seeing him on the podium, but yeah, to have him actually like take a place on track sort of thing would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, a quick run down sort of other people in the grid. Uh, another really strong drive for Gasly. Uh, he yeah. started, started fifth, gained a place when Bottas spun, and then pretty comfortably kept the Ferraris at bay, which is no mean feat because the Ferraris were quick at this track. But yeah, like the Ferraris had to go at sort of swapping places late on in the race to try and chase him down, but just couldn't uh, couldn't go onto his pace. Um, so yeah, another brilliant fourth place for him. Moves Alpha Terry onto equal points with Alpine now in fifth place. It's only Ocon's win that is uh, separating those two teams now. So that's um, yet another battle that's going to go right down to the wire, I think. Yeah, insane. Great, great drive from Gasly, though. I really mean, good. even if he scuppered my predictions lead <laughs> um, thing with Leclerc for fourth, I'm, I'm happy that he got scuppered for Pierre Gasly finishing there instead. <laughs> <laughs> Ferraris, as I said, were quick all weekends. They actually worked together quite well doing that kind of swap places to give signs a go at chasing Gasly. When it didn't work, they swapped back. Um, gave them 17 more points than McLaren this race, which means they're now up to third in the constructors ahead of them. They've got a 13 wow. and a half point lead on McLaren now. Uh, quite a big swing in the last few races in that battle for third. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's not gone quite the way I thought it would have that, to be honest. No, Ferrari have been a lot either. stronger these last few races, and the drivers have both been on form as well, bringing it home like where they need to. Like they, They're both definitely, at the moment, getting the best out of that car that is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And really closely matched between the two of them as well. Yeah. Yeah, Leclerc's just jumped above... Um, Science hasn't he with finishing him above him this weekend? Oh, has he gone back above now? I believe so. Yeah, it can't be many between them though. I wouldn't have thought it's like a point or something. Yeah, it's like a point because he's, he's finished two points ahead of him this weekend, and it sort of leapfrogged uh, him above. I think, or or it might be that they tied on points and Leclerc. No, it's actually finishes. seven and a half points is the lead that Leclerc has. Oh, is it that much? Yeah. Oh, so he's already yeah. above him then. Yeah. I ju- you bad. just have the feeling that that half a point is going to end up what separates those two at the end of the season. Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> imagine if, it, if it's imagine if like oh no, it can't be. I was going to say imagine if it's the title separated by that, but both Hamilton and Lewis are on a half point, aren't they? Yeah. So we could and have Lewis and Hamilton. That's the same person, Lewis <laughs> and Max. I didn't even <laughs> know she on did that. Something and a half. <laughs> we could end up with Ferrari and McLaren separated by half a point, though. That's very much a possibility. Amazing. I want it. Who else? Vettel had another one to have a really good weekend. Yeah. He had pretty good pace all weekend. Um, he was uh, finished eight seconds behind the Ferraris in seventh place, which is no mean feat, really, because um, there's been many times this season where the Aston Martin has been a much slower car than eight seconds behind the Ferraris. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, with the form that McLaren and the, the two drivers have had recently, you'd have expected even with like Norris fighting through from the back or Ricardo trying to recover after his damage, you'd have expected them to overtake an Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. To be honest. I mean, and admittedly, they didn't get near some uh, quite a few cars that were expecting them to overtake. Like, I'd have expected them ahead of Alonso, Raikkonen, and Vettel, all three of them. Yeah, we I'd have had expected that. Like Norris to have had a good good battle with them, but never really played out, did it? We had the little like old world champions train that no one could uh, get past. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping those guys would like come together on track a little bit more, but it never quite happened, unfortunately. No, sadly not. Uh, speaking of, Raikkonen had a really strong weekend as well. Uh, qualified 12th, which turned into 10th on the grid after all the many penalties. Uh, passed Giovinazzi and Russell on track for 8th place, which he managed to hold on to, which matches his best finish of the season. Um, moves Alfa Romeo to within 12 points of Williams now. So mm. it is possible that they could close that gap before the end of the season. Yeah, Gio was having an okay race at one point, wasn't he? But he sort of fell backwards. Yeah, on. he was extremely unhappy after the race. He was in because he he was running. He was sixth, like, wasn't he? At yeah, one point, I think so. He was pretty high up after the sort of first lap carnage. But he basically said that the strategy the team put him on was just completely wrong. Basically, oh dear. Um, what did he actually do? Where is he? He ah yeah, he pitted super early. He came in on lap sixteen to switch to the hard tires, which meant he had to take the hards fifty-four laps. Ouch. Yeah. I think if they'd have pit him sort of in the low thirties where most other people did, I think he could well have been in for some decent points there. So yeah, he was yeah. really unhappy with the team after the race from what I've seen. Uh, decent-ish recovery for Norris. He managed to get a point from 18th on the grid. He did the opposite of Giovinazzi. He stayed on the mediums for 44 laps at the start, which was longer than anyone else, and made that work pretty nicely. Yeah. Him and um, Perez both had really good opening stints on the mediums, didn't they? Yeah, they were the two that took them the longest. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo wasn't able to recover from his uh, first lap. Uh instant he ended up he, he switched to the hard tires on lap one but couldn't take them to the end so I had to make it a two stopper which uh, didn't work out for him didn't manage shame. to get into the points yeah it was a shame because he was looking pretty good through practice and qualifying but that's pre- was, pre- pretty good at a weekend mclaren was struggling at i was I, I was about to say it's if they were aiming for damage limitation anyway i think coming into this race so uh, yes, they'd have probably expected points and they didn't expect it to be as bad as it was, but it's not as big a loss in the grand scheme of things, I think, because they weren't expect. Like, I don't think many of us were expecting him to finish that highly yeah. this weekend anyway, especially once Norris was taking his penalty. He, he was always going to be a, like on a tough drive to get into the points, yeah. even if he managed it. It was still a tough, <laughs> tough journey to get him there. Anyone else you wanted to mention from the race? Uh, I think we could probably surmise a driver of the day from what we've covered, could we not? We could do. Who is your driver of the day? I mean, it's the easy, obvious one, but it's Max Verstappen because he's 
just yeah. absolutely decimated the field. To do to do two cars into turn one, mm. it's a pretty legit. Move, and then isn't just it? drive away. Yeah, yeah. If I you're think... a Verstappen fan, like you, and you watch the start of that race, you are losing your mind. <laughs> yeah. at the start of that, it, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Where there's there's times where it's like there's no argument in this. Is what I was trying to get at in the fact that. That was a champion's drive there. That wasn't just a, mm. the car's better. That yeah. was a stellar drive. Really was. It, yeah. You know, there's hands down. Yeah. That's he, up there with like the Jensen Button Brazil drive when he won his championship, I would say. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I think it's any, that caliber, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, and, and it's the sort of dominance we've seen from Hamilton so many times over the years as well. Where yeah. just nobody else can come close. I think any other race, Gasly would have been a shoe in for driver of the day, but you just can't look past Verstappen. Yeah, I think that's definitely worth an honourable mention for him to be. Yeah, a very honourable mention. You know what? It was 20 seconds up on the Ferraris or something by the end. It was a long way in front uh, of them. Yeah, it was a, it was a decent, decent chunk. Yeah. And and he stayed on the lead lap, unlike the majority of the field. Like Leclerc, <laughs> yeah. Leclerc behind him, twenty seconds down the road, was about to be lapped as well. Yeah, he was yeah, because Verst- Verstappen finished the science, race. Yeah. yeah, Verstappen literally finished the race, sort of sandwiched between Science and Leclerc. So for Gasly to be that far onto the lead lap was impressive in itself. Was but, it interesting? Uh, there's, there's a there's a weird quirk of the of the timesheets and the rules, I guess, that although Bottas set his fa- his fastest lap on the final lap of the race it was actually lap 69 for Bottas not yeah. lap 71 yeah because he's, yeah, he's yeah yeah because that that threw me at first because they were talking about the fact that he's beat him on the last lap then it popped up saying he'd done his fastest lap on lap 69 but then you sort of forget yeah you sort of forget how much further back he actually Which, was of course <laughs> is nice is not it was a nice fastest lap <laughs> <laughs> i also did very much enjoyed hearing christian horner go like oh well don't you won the race and you yeah. got the fastest lap no you haven't oh wait no you didn't <laughs> oh wait yeah, yeah. Oh, I no, literally, sorry. literally moments ago done a radio message for that <laughs> <laughs> been too keen there christian yeah uh, what about move of the day? It's pretty hard to see past getting past two Mercedes into turn one for the lead of the race is a pretty yeah, legit it move was, of the day. Isn't yeah, it? yeah like, it's the hard for me to see. Past I can that. add a nice one that I think you were probably going to mention anyway, Chris. From yeah, notes. right. Raikkonen around the outside of Russell in the opening laps, and then Alonso a few laps later around the outside of Russell also turn one, but. Yeah, for like, I don't know you guys, but watching the opening lap turn one, I did have a moment of like, where is Max going? Because it's not around turn yeah. one breaking that late. Yeah, yeah. And he just slung it in and it stuck. Like, yeah, that you can't look past that. I think, yeah. I don't think he was 100% convinced that it was, <laughs> he was going to get through that yeah. corner. I think he, Probably took a bite out of his seat yeah. when he when he turned in there. And, and then he was like, oh, <laughs> oh, it's gripped. That's All gone right, well. Bye. <laughs> uh, and then final award. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? 
We've got the, a few, I think, haven't we? A couple, yeah. yeah. The one that made everyone in Discord uh, laugh the most was... Uh, a lot of people may not have seen this, but in the build-up um, on Sky Sports before the race, they were in the stadium section <laughs> doing a piece to camera. And then this, like, just like you saw a motorbike like drive really close to one of them, and then another one, and then another one. The camera sort of panned, and this just entire motorbike display team just kind of drove at them and swarmed them and then started <laughs> doing some display stuff behind them. And they were trying to, like, carry on having their conversation while looking over their shoulders and hastily moving out of the way of an entire yeah. motorbike squad, like uh, wanting to drive on the exact bit of tarmac they were stood on. After watching it back, it wasn't even the bike display team like trying to run them over that was the funny bit. The funny bit that WTF'd me was the guy in the background basically trying to warn the cameraman <laughs> and the crew stood behind the camera that... There is there is a display team coming, move. But he was doing like this weird crouchy swiping motion with his hand. He was like, going, no, you must move. Like, but it was just it just looked like a weird dance of some yeah. kind. And and then like you've got sort of Simon Lazenby, Lazenby turning around and looking at him, like, what is this guy doing? What an idiot. And then he nearly gets hit by a bike. Like, oh. It was just a whole calamity all on its own. It was insane. Yeah, really enjoyable. Um I also <laughs> Really liked Michael Massey uh, giving the broken barrier a kick like he was a dad buying a used car. Yeah. <laughs> that was just like, like give it a kick. Like, yeah, seems fine. Um, and then we also had uh, Beefy Miracle rotated in the inbox to nominate something that I completely missed. But apparently if you go back and watch FP1 with 34 minutes and seven seconds of the time remaining, you will see a, fer- a Ferrari mechanic using an adjustable spanner as a hammer to work on the car. <laughs> nice. Pinnacle, pinnacle of motorsport. Pinnacle yeah. of motorsport, right there. Beefy Miracle one. added, uh, refreshing to see even some of the best mechanics working on the most expensive cars give it some spanner hammer action. <laughs> yeah, um, we've all done it. We've all been there. <laughs> why Why go over there and get a hammer when I've got something in my hand that can be used as a hammer? I wonder how many hammers are kept in uh, Formula One garages. I don't think very many. Not many, I wouldn't I have think- thought. But they but must have. But they're like really nice, there. like carbon fiber handled ones. They're like yeah, it'd be, it'd be like a, a very <laughs> that's a that very is a ex- very top heavy hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about all the ones I can think of. I, I mean, suppose you could also yeah, I... say Bottas for loitering in the middle of the circuit on the run to turn one. <laughs> yeah, I do. You know what? That's definitely up there for me. Like. What the what? Just why though? Like I just I just don't get why he didn't defend. It just didn't look like he was even trying to defend to me. Maybe maybe I'm maybe my view of it is obscured by my enormous Hamilton fandom. I had to be really choose my words <laughs> there. Um, but I just don't think he made any effort to defend, and that is kind of WTF to me because you know the team now have been cost so many points. That's the other thing. Like he he got absolutely swamped because he wasn't on the right part of the track as he went into turn one. And he allowed himself to get put into that position. It yeah. is Valtteri Bottas's fault that he ended up backwards because if he stayed on the race, if he'd mm-hmm. got himself on the racing line on that right bit of track and had the grip into turn one, then he would have just streaked off away 
and all the carnage would have unfolded behind him. But instead, as it happens, he's just suddenly crowded in with this entire cluster of cars and he, he gets spun around by one yeah. of them, you know? He's got himself to blame for that. But it's just like, when when have we, this whole season, when have we ever seen Bottas doing a decent job of defending, particularly against Max Verstappen? And yeah, that's not haven't. me like dipping into conspiracy theories of, oh, he doesn't want Hamilton to win the title this year because he's leaving the team. Like, don't buy into any of that. I just don't think he's very good at defending. That's just not one of the things he's good yeah, at. Yeah, that's... That's a simpler answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, I don't buy. I don't really buy the conspiracy theories or any no. of that. I, I think it, I, I'm with Chris. I think it is more. He's he's just not that good at that particular. Yeah, aspect. It's of his why he's driving. not in line for a world championship and hasn't really been his, his entire team at, at mm-hmm. time at Mercedes in the team. But again, we've seen like the he's not fast enough twenty four seven. Well, yeah, yeah. He's like he's not fast enough twenty four seven all the way through every race weekend, but also he can't defend like mm. i mean yeah fair enough when he's on his game but that that's when he sort of he has a race like the one that we've just well maybe not quite to the same extent that max has had i don't think he's ever got close to that but like he he's often he's leading and he's doing his own thing he's not he's not had to really fight for that win it's just that he's on his game and he's disappeared like yeah. you've never seen him have to fight for a win like what max and lewis do yeah you know against and each I, other and over one lap as well. He proved it this weekend. Over one yeah. lap, he's fantastic. He's, he's. I honestly think he's one of the best drivers on the grid over one lap. Races aren't one lap unless they're in Belgium. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> in the space of two days, we saw him doing what he's best at, followed by what he's worst at. Yeah. All that said, what should we give it to? I still think it's crazy weird signaling dancing man with motorbikes. That's kind of what I'm leaning to as well. That like, does sound pretty hectic. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was That's very definitely got the most juice to it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd seen that. I didn't see please, that. Please, please write it out. It is, it's in, yeah, Paul recorded it and okay, put it in Discord. So it's in the live it. chat now. It's in live chat now. Roll up just okay. a few messages. Um, um, last thing yeah. before we move on then. How are we all feeling about the state the championship is in? With, what is it, four to go now? Verstappen leading yeah. by 19 points. Uh, it's a, it's becoming a big deficit for Lewis to overhaul, isn't it? It's getting there. I mean, mm-hmm. an, an, another win and he's a whole race win ahead. Yeah. So Lewis basically has, well, he doesn't have to win everything that's left, but he has to finish ahead of Max in basically every race that's left. And uh, finishing think, ahead of Max normally means winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we say we say this, and you know, if we go to Brazil, Max has an incident, and Lewis, you know, comes home first. He's suddenly swung back, hasn't it? Like it's, it's so very unpredictable. But yeah. I, I honestly, at the minute, the way Max is driving, I can't foresee that happening. I see Max, unless it's some sort of mechanical failure that goes wrong for him, I can't see him, pers- like him himself throwing this away. I can see it more being a- a- an engine problem or a, you know, an MGU kind of problem or something yeah. that, that halts him in a race. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I think unless 
unless Verstappen has, like you say, some kind of technical issue or he gets taken out by someone, unless Verstappen has a DNF, I kind of think off the back of these two wins he's had, I think this might be the ball game. I, I under mm-hmm. normal circumstances, I don't think Hamilton can close that gap now. He needs something to like stop Verstappen scoring normally in one of these remaining races to to close that gap. Now I yeah. think. I, I mean, I think that. My, well, I suppose we'll come across, come to it in in a minute anyway. But uh, Brazil, I've still got my sort of hat in the Verstappen win camp there. That is where I was always sort of leaning to think that one would go. And then Qatar and Saudi sort of play more into Lewis's hands. But even if he wins those two races, like you say, if something, if if nothing prevents Max finishing second behind him in those two races, it might be too little too late. And But then again, what that does provide is a final race showdown in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. What we we always want, we always want it to go like as far as it possibly can to the wire, and I mean, imagine being in a position where there is only a handful of points between them going into Abu Dhabi with a new circuit. Well, not new circuit, a circuit that's a revised. You know, circuit, yeah, yeah, it's had changes to it, so nobody's, you know, fully up to up to speed on on that. It could provide for some really interesting racing. I think the fact that we're going Qatar, Saudi, and then Abu Dhabi for those final three races is tantalizing because two circuits we've never been to before and one that's changed like there's no it's not like yeah. going to Silverstone Barcelona and Spa yeah, yeah. for three it's races where book, everybody yeah, knows it inside much. out because everybody's driven it a million times it's it, it, it does yeah it like it, you know it just throws the form book entirely off like you say so it'd be mm-hmm. really interesting so, to see how it pans out post Brazil so heading into Brazil we should probably pick a story. What, what do you think, Stu? You didn't uh, give us your feelings on it. Are you as pessimistic as we're not pessimistic? As... As I, I feel like, like as like F one content creators, like we should be all like, "Whoa, it's so close! It could go anywhere." But I, <laughs> I, I do yeah. think I do. My gut I'm... feeling is that he's not going to lose that lead now. We're also factual people, not <laughs> clickbait merchants. So yeah, mm. I'm going to talk about it factually of. If Max wins again, it's a full race for Lewis to overturn. That's fact. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, look at it this way: if we 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 could be in a situation come Qatar where Verstappen can win the championship at Qatar if mm-hmm. something happens to Hamilton at yeah. the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix. Yeah. Um. So. Obviously, we're, we're very close to season's end. Um, Verstappen's got an opportunity to to wrap things up. And this is the time when you've never won a world championship before. There's, what, four four races left. So that, that's right, isn't it? Four yeah. races left. Yeah. Um, you've got a... What is it? 20-point advantage he's got Nin- now? 19, 19, I think. 19. Yeah. Sorry, 19. He didn't get the fastest lap. 19-point advantage. Um if he wins the next race and then Hamilton has a DNF, then yeah, it's mathematically possible that he could wrap it up in Qatar, in Qatar. I believe. Yeah. yeah, it would. Well, it would so, be able to, sorry, yeah. This is the time of the season when the pressure starts to build mm-hmm. and you're going to start seeing 
I think it's like in a tennis match when you see someone who's not won that many matches do really well in a final set and they tighten up and they start to make mistakes. Yeah. This is the time when that, if it's going to happen, then it's going to start happening. Maybe not at Brazil, but probably Qatar, 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 however you want to pronounce it. I should probably know how to pronounce that as a podcast host, but I'm a terrible human being, so I don't. Um uh yeah so those final three races that's when the pressure's really 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 going to be on him and we're going to find out if he's got the stones to win a world championship yeah because yeah. he's he's soaked up the pressure thus far but you're right it does start to be a bit more real yeah. this time. and i think the compact yeah. calendar probably helps a bit because it's sort of like there's not much time to breathe at the moment like it's he's pretty much out of this race and he's straight ready for the next one yeah so that maybe plays into his hands a little bit yeah yeah. But um, so that's my way of answering that question without actually. Yeah, very nice. The question. Um, um, should we, we wrap predictions up? Yet? Should we do some predictions yeah, let's wrap up Mexico by doing predictions. Yeah, let's let's cover predictions league. So, um, strong week for Stu. You got three points yes. this week, Stu. Very pleased. Uh, Verstappen win, eighteen finishes. Leclerc fifth. Chris, you backed the wrong horse by going on. What my were we side. thinking? What on earth were we thinking? Mine were just mine you know were just crazy. Mine were just crazy. I've got to recoup points, and it's <laughs> one of those things. Is it? I mean, I press down to win. So I was literally toying with the idea, literally toying with the idea <laughs> of um, having Bottas as my fastest in Q3. I mean, it's um, easy to say that now. No, yeah, hindsight's a beautiful hind, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? But I, I really, really was thinking about um, doing Bottas, and I bottled it. At the, you, you bottled, you bottled the Bottas. Um, well, God, I, I mean, hate myself. <laughs> go myself. Going, going to listener scores. There are five people who also bottled the Bottas because <laughs> five people got four points, and all five of them were wrong on fastest qualifier. Oh wow! So they, so the here are the five people. You got Ali Walker, Andrew Todd, Rory Clark. Uh, Manu Chauhan, I hope I'm saying that right, Manu, uh, and Ashley Karp all got four points and they all got max winner, UK first DNF. Oh, wow. Number of finishes 18 and Leclerc in fifth. So they all got those four. And Ali Walker had Sergio Perez's fastest qualifier. The rest had gone double max with Max's fastest qualifier, which, I mean, had it not been for qualifying troubles, they could have they could have likely been a five out of five there for those people. That could Safe. have been an expensive week. <laughs> Safe to say, yeah. um, Yuki Snowder is not any of their favourite driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, you know, this prediction league, we we fly as as this as time goes on and more and more people enter it, we are flying closer and closer and closer to the sun. <laughs> it's like we, we, we are, gonna are be going to be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised if this podcast doesn't last another season because the more people do this. If, in fact, if you want us to stop, enter the predictions league. <laughs> I mean, to, <laughs> that's a good way to do it. Uh, just on a, another, I know we say this every so often, but um, 228 people scored at least one point this week. Wow. Um, sadly, Chris and I were not one of them. <laughs> We have a lot of very educated yeah, listeners. You're very much less educated very much in the minority, you two. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, very much in the minority. In terms of overall standings, Stu, you're just about holding on to first still with 31 points. Uh, Nate Everett is behind you with 30. 
And then Charlie Ray and Manu Chauhan are both tied for third on 29. But, I mean, Chris, you're 52nd in, with 23 points. So you're not that far behind. No. But it's, it's starting to feel like a bigger and bigger gap as the season yeah, rolls on. Really is. Uh, and I'm 64th with 22 points. So, yeah. Insane times we live in. I'm. I, I can feel myself tightening in, tightening up as the as we reach the end of the season. I can tell you. Can you handle the pressure of leading the championship point. in the final four <laughs> races? We'll find yeah. out. Can the, ne- the next four races, we'll find out. Can he verstappen it now, or will he verstappen it? The question is, we need to wait until the end of the season. To yeah. Find what does that actually mean? Yeah. And, and we <laughs> also what does it mean? We, we also define what verstappening it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we should uh, we should pick some storylines now. Yeah, let's just like we're, we're running quite long this week, so let's just quickly maybe just like pick one thing each that we're looking out for. Okay. Yeah. Weather for me, weather. Ooh. It's all it's always a key factor when the rain rolls in over Sao Paulo. Um, I haven't had a chance to check a weather report yet. I really should have done that before I'm saying a what quick I said. Glance right um, now, but. Uh, it's it's also pretty unpredictable there as well. As a, a, so. a time of recording, very very minimal chance of rain. But you're right; like that means nothing. It could yeah. say no chance of rain ten minutes before the race and then rain at that circuit. Yeah, it's interesting. Is altitude altitude is a bit of a thing at um, Sao Paulo, isn't it? Not to the extent of Mexico, but yeah, it's it's a fairly high up one. Yeah, um, I think. I think we're looking at another um, Red Bull. Red Bull. We're out, we're definitely looking at another Red Bull circuit, and I think sort yep, of storyline wise, will the narrative continue? Of the unpredictable narrative continue at the front? I guess that's my storyline. Like, will will we get another topsy turvy session where we get the wrong people in the wrong places on the grid at the front, mm-hmm. or <clears throat> will it continue to be unpredictable? That's my. That's mine. Um, and I'm going to, as we normally do, just point to the Ferrari-McLaren battle because <laughs> I feel like this circuit will probably suit McLaren a bit more yeah. than the last couple of circuits have. So they need to really capitalize on that because that gap to Ferrari is, that could get uh, unmanageable quite quickly if McLaren aren't careful. Yeah. So they need to really capitalize this race. Yeah. Sounds good. So weather, unpredictability, and Ferrari v. McLaren. So let's make some predictions. Oh, right. For Brazil. For Brazil. So fastest in Q3. I'm just going to open up with putting my money where my mouth has been, which is what I've said for a little while, and that's Verstappen. I think, um, like I said earlier, I've had this one here marked as his circuit for a while, and... I'm going as far as say the double as well. So I'll put both those in now. I'll let you two fight amongst yourselves about who wants to go next well, and what they want to I say. Think, I, think, I think you'd be mad not to. I'm the same. So double Verstappen for Stu. Double, double Verstappen, please. Thank you. He and won. Chris? He won last time. Where Who qualified on pole last time out? I mean, that is a good question. I'm just going to make you... Because my mine is based on gut, not form. <laughs> so I've not even checked. <laughs> it was Verstappen on pole. There you go. 
It's it's it, another one of those circuits that I mean it's not impossible to overtake at Brazil, but not at all. It's very it's very twisty, and the only I would say the only two real places are down the start finish straight into one, and then down that second straight into four. four. Yeah, I think I just and have to follow your guys' four. lead. I've got to follow your guys' lead and say all the step and. Oh, it's, it's the sensible thing boring, to do at this it? point in time. It is pretty boring. Yeah. And I'll go first again for first DNF because I will keep saying it till it happens or he retires. It's Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> that is my thing now. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, let's go for... Let's go for Giovinazzi. Oh, you're going for the other alpha. Yeah. Steel? Ocon, please. Ooh. Interesting. Midfield. It's midfield tangle, isn't it? Turn one midfield tangle. It's yeah. Crazy. I mean, he was literally involved in that exact thing this weekend just gone. Yeah. So That's true. Yeah. He'd be looking to keep his nose clean, but... Yeah. Number of finishes. Uh, Steel, do you want to go first on this one? Um, yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go 17 this week for this one. 17. Reliability is becoming an issue for people. Mm. Um, and I also think there's we're getting to that stage of the season where people start to get their elbows out a bit more, get a bit desperate for you know, yeah, for good results. So, generally, quite a high race of attrition, isn't it? This one, yeah, yeah, especially if there's a bit of rain. I'll go one less, I'll say 16. 16. I'm actually going the opposite way to both of you, and I'm going to say 18, because mm. in recent years we've actually had a fairly decent number of finishes here. Mm. Um, like last couple, in fact, the last couple of races have been 18. So yeah, I'm sticking with that. Um, okay. So the last thing for this race is we need a random driver, please, Chris. I've only got two left to choose from. Oh, so actually, instead of just random generator number, I'm going to flip a virtual coin because that's an option this website has. Oh, do you know oh, what? Wow, <laughs> I can even flip a virtual Brazilian one rail coin. Perfect. So let's do that. Do it. Amazing. It has come up tails, which means Pierre Gasly. Ooh. 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 Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Gasly's going to have a good result. Yeah, it's just a question is how good. <laughs> yeah. That's... Oh, he was that's it. Uh, second last year, wasn't he? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's had a very good result just out as well. Um, I good run of form. The Ferraris, the McLarens. I think the McLarens and the Ferraris are going to tangle each other up. I am going to go... I'm going to go fourth for Gasly. Oof. I have the faith. Bold. He's going into my fantasy team this week as well. Yeah. And a top tip. Actually, no, I'm not going to give anyone top tip for fantasy <laughs> leagues because I got a decent <laughs> result going. I don't want anyone, anyone on my team listening to this to uh, <laughs> yeah. to know any of my secrets. So. I'm not going to be as bold. I'd, as much as it was a good drive this weekend, I think there was also a factor of other teams being a bit weaker there than they would be at other circuits and so on. So I'm going to say six. That's, up there, but not quite as far up there. That's exactly the number I had in my head for exactly the same reasons, so I'm also going to go sixth. Nice. So that rounds off our predictions. Uh, wow. If you want to get involved, you can head to backofthegrid.com. Uh, even at this point in the season, it's still worth joining as we have prizes for anyone that gets five out of five. 
sorry to those of you who were so close this week. Um, but yeah, keep trying. <laughs> Brutal. Should we Brutal. do some inbox? Aye. Is uh, keep me saying now. But stay, but stay out. Box, box, box. Hey man. Havales says, "What are your personal parameters slash requirements for what you consider a corner in a racetrack?" Oh, I think I know where this is going. Um, would the slightest bend, or do you think it requires more than that? I got inspired by seeing Turn 15 at Mexico. I would personally not consider that a corner, or at least not its own corner and more of the end of Turn 14. But it'd be interesting to see what you all think. <laughs> well, Vales, <laughs> you have a look at the circuit map for Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> And you tell me how many corners on that circuit <laughs> constitute corners. Because there are 27 of them. Yeah, and it's, it's quite crazy. Yeah. Of those 27, my personal opinion is that probably 50% of those are not corners. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm making circuit maps for these things. <laughs> As I say, some of the circuit maps I've seen for that track look like someone just threw a bunch of numbers at the map and like, yep, where they landed, yeah. that's what we'll call God, <laughs> Well, I think the Saudis probably wanted, I think they're after some accolade. They seem to to have that many corners on that circuit and to have so many fake corners on there. Mm, it's a bit. Sounds to me like they're going for the circuit with the most corners vibe. They've, but They've also been trying for like the fastest street circuit in the world branding i think i've seen and stuff like that so, yeah. yeah i think there's definitely a bit of one-upmanship going on but we can't we can't talk about um jedda though because we'll get kneecapped and or murdered so <laughs> wow <laughs> i think but, but in, in seri- serious answer to the question, the, the, yeah the serious the serious answer to the question obviously we're joking the serious answer to the question <laughs> is um i think if for me, because I, I actually had this discussion over the weekend with someone, and for me, a, a, a true corner is one that requires not necessarily a lift, but it, it requires significant, I would say, significant input from the driver. Yeah. So if a corner is a double apex corner, which is what you refer to by turn 15, um, being the end of turn fourteen, mm-hmm. I would I would call that just all turn fourteen myself. It's like turn eight in um, yeah in Turkey. Turn eight in Turkey is actually four corners, but they just call it all turn eight. Yeah, there's four, it's like a quadruple apex corner. Um, th- there are some where you know there's kinks and things that people they call corners. To me, a, a true a true true corner is when you have to break for it. I would say. That that's a simple rule to apply. Yeah, I, it's I not always that simple. I think I, I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as that because Maggots and Beckets are definitely corners and they don't break from, and they don't even lift most of the but time. They're significant. They are significant. Yeah, though. I think I think that's the thing. It needs some form of significant change of direction. Doesn't necessarily have to be lifted yeah. or, um, like a, a sort of a minimum number of degrees change of direction. Yeah. I don't know but what the number the... that I'd be. I can't put it on, but like say 40 degrees, minimum change of direction. If it's less than that, it's not a corner. <laughs> but then the other complication is if you're just judging this on with your Formula One glasses on, turn three at Austria isn't a corner, not at all. 
Whereas when MotoGP go to Austria, it's uh, very much a corner. Is it more than 40 degrees, Chris? Because if it is, it's a corner. <laughs> it's definitely it's not, not more. Just it's that, about it's, 10 degrees, then it's I not, think. Then it's not a corner. I've Tell just, that I've to just a MotoGP that. rider. Maybe it's they should go corner. around all this. If, if you can get around the corner in an aerial atom with <laughs> using, using just using anything more than fingertips to turn the, the steering wheel, then, then you it's can't get around, You can't get around anything in an aerial atom using nothing but your fingertips. <laughs> of course you can. You can't even drive in a straight line in an aerial atom with nothing but your fingertips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, also kind of doesn't matter as well <laughs> i know that's well, yeah, a really I mean, boring end to it but it's that's a good point but to be fair though no it does seem silly when Pie like pooper. I, I think there is like a the, the, there is an element of obviously formula one fans love stats don't they they love a stat here's mm. here's what bothers me more about the corner thing is when we go into places talking about turn 14 and turn 27 whatever Give your corners names. That yeah. makes it way more interesting. Yeah, if it's if it's worthy of a name, it's actually a corner. <laughs> yeah, there we if go. If you can't be bothered, if you can't be bothered to name it, it's not a turn. That's, yeah, screw screw is... the forty five degrees. If you <laughs> no, can't be bothered to name it, it's not a corner. I can go. We go <laughs> world. We've just solved corners. Next, next one. <laughs> next. next from Jeff uh, in Mexico. Gasly had a leg up on the Ferraris in the race, as neither could get close to him. After we nailed the start, AlphaTauri 160 plus points behind Ferrari and constructors, and both Ferrari drivers have got about 30 points more than Gasly. Ferrari was better than McLaren in Mexico too. Do you think Honda was that good in the high altitude? Did the AlphaTauri uh, nail their setup with a very good power unit, or is Gasly getting mega performance out of a mediocre car? I think it's a perfect storm. Is a simple answer to that. I think it's an excellent drive from Gasly combined with. The Honda performing well at the altitude, which we've seen in the past anyway. And then, you know, the general sort of philosophy of the Alpha Tower is not the same as, but similar to the Red Bull. And mm-hmm. I think it's just like a, it is a perfect storm of all those things coupled with Gasly driving really well has allowed him to get the most out of it. And I mean, technically it's a place better than he could have in theory because yeah. Bottas dropped down behind him. So he's actually in theory overperformed a bit but he's been right behind the front battle which is and, you know where he had every right to be in my opinion and through practice and qualifying um Sonoda was looking pretty good as well yeah um, i mean he was fairly comfortably through to q3 wasn't he yeah um, which hasn't and, ha- off the, hasn't happened that often for him this exactly season. so i think that goes to show you know the aero philosophy combined with the engine works there works well if Red Bull wasn't that's why I'm for you already. Vouching for, that's why I'm vouching for Gasly in Brazil. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sim- yeah. similar sort of scenario, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Similar. Yeah. Uh, next next one. Oh, yeah, next. Uh, Charlotte Taylor says, uh, why are the stewards so inconsistent? Ocon's <laughs> been sandwiched by two cars, and the two cars DNF, but Ocon doesn't, so there's no penalty. Ricardo spins Bottas around, there's no penalty. Gasly got a penalty in Turkey on lap one for causing Alonso to spin. If Gasly got one, surely Ocon should too. I don't think Ocon should have gotten a penalty. Um, but if you penalise Gasly, then you should be penalising Ocon too. So I guess the summary of that is the Gasly penalty was wrong. Why have they gone back on their philosophy this time? Yeah, I think 
if if you were to point out a difference between those two incidents, it's that in this race, Ocon was basically going in a straight line and two cars sandwiched him, whereas the yeah. Turkey one was kind of mid-corner, so there were, you know, inputs being put in and decisions being made. But that being said, Gasly should not have got a penalty for that in Turkey, and yeah. none of these really should have been either. And which we were saying last week, I think, where we were the week before, like the answer to the inconsistent stewarding is to have some consistency in the stewards. In the stewards. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. I have nothing yeah. more to add to that. I, yeah, I, and for the record, I don't disagree with any of the decisions. I don't think the three. I can't think of a decision that I've, I saw and thought, well, that's like not right. In this was, race, you mean? Yeah, yeah, for, for this yeah, weekend no, just gone. I agree. Whereas last time out at Texas, there were a couple, so... Yeah, yes, it's yeah, better totally. than it was, but it's like you say, it's not consistent enough. Yeah. Um, next one from Corizilla, Zombie Killer. I personally can't believe I'm asking this question, but with a one point difference in the constructor standings, how much of a chance do you think Red Bull have on winning the constructor's title? I've been saying it for a couple of races now. They will win the constructors no matter which driver wins the world title. I drivers. think they have a very based, mm. if nothing else, based on the current form of Bottas and Perez. I would yeah. say it's going to go Red Bull's way. Well, I mean, this is how we looked at it last time, isn't it? We were, I think I said, take, um, you know, Lewis and Max out of the equation. We've got them going tit for tat backwards and forwards over the last few races. So imagine they score the even number of points and that they're out of the equation. Who is going to score you the most points out of Perez and Bottas? Mm-hmm. And I think we all unanimously said Perez right now. And yet again, this weekend, he's proven that point once more. And Bottas has proven his his form fluctuates. His form is more volatile than Bitcoin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice crypto like, one, joke one, for you there. <laughs> yeah, nice little crypto joke. Like one, one minute he's worth $65,000, then the next morning he's worth $50,000. Yeah. But I mean, Tom's going to have a... Tom's going to have an overtaking award for his next week. Um, <laughs> I saw a cool graphic on um, Reddit this week, actually, someone made just like showing the constructors' battle, like going backwards and forwards through the season. And it has been insane. Like after Spain, which was like the fourth race, Mercedes were 29 ahead. Then by the second Austria race, Red Bull were 44 ahead. Then by Turkey, it was back to Mercedes 36 ahead. And now it's a gap of one again. It's swung back to four. That's a seesaw. That is crazy. Um, But the momentum from Turkey onwards has very much been the line going back in Red Bull's direction. And I do think it's going to keep going that way. Well, we're obviously due a swing though, aren't we? Well, yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's, I think it'll be really, I think it'll go down to the last race. I don't think think so. I think both. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily think they're going to tie it up like, within the next two races, but I still think that Red Bull will win it. Constructors especially, like, there's so many Constructors points available between two cars. Like, it's pretty hard to win that as early as the drivers. Yeah. Uh, Next, Kieran Sinfield. Going into Brazil this weekend, is make or break for Mercedes and Lewis, but can you see Max not finishing at least second for the rest of the year? Because Bottas, to put it blankly, I don't see overtaking Max, and I definitely see Max overtaking him. Yeah. Comes back a bit to the conversation we were having earlier, doesn't it? About the fact that, like, 
Lewis has got his hands full now. Mm, like he he needs Max to have some sort of incident or or a penalty or you know he he's he's not solely relying on that. But if he doesn't win every race, because Max is going to finish behind him in every race realistically without yeah. any issues, so it's it's seven points the gap is between first and second. So Max can finish second to Lewis twice and still be leading the championship at this yeah. point. Exactly. Which is half of the remaining races, so. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't look past either of them for the race win at the moment. Un- unless some... Un- the, un- the only reason someone's going to win a race that's not one of those two is if they have another incident coming together. And I think Max might finally be at the point where he, he is also willing to back out of those scenarios, much like Lewis was earlier in the season. I don't think Max will be I don't agree with that. I, I think I think Max as we get closer to the end of the season and the bigger his lead is, he's gonna have less and less time. I lose. mean, yeah, the bigger his lead is, but if he's behind, he's not gonna be doing that. No, if he's behind Or like um, if he's No, if he I think I think Max if, if we get to the final race of the season, if if that's what this question's sitting into, I think if we get to the end of the season and Max is one point ahead, they go into turn one and both their races are over. I think it's a Senna Bross situation all over again. I've, I'll say that mm. right now, and you can you can not, hold me to that. I'm not as cynical as that for Max. <laughs> I'm not saying the, I'm not saying he won't have his elbows out, but I don't think it'd be Senna Prost esque. Oh God, imagine if it did. The internet would just melt down. The internet would break. I, I mean, we think- we still. We've still not stopped hearing about Schumacher doing it to Hill or Villeneuve or yeah. Senna doing it to Prost or Prost doing it to Senna. Those are 30 plus years ago, some of them. And we still watch them and have comments and about them. that's before social media. Exactly. Yeah. That's before the internet was what it is now. So, was the thing. Oh, I'm just going to go live under a rock if it happens. If Stu's right and that <laughs> happens, I'm just going to go live in a, under a rock for the foreseeable future and I'll come out for podcast and then I'll go back to my rock. (laughs) (laughs) Some people just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) You primarily. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What else we got? Uh, Hollywood would given Prez's amazing performance this weekend as a strong second driver for Red Bull. Have Mercedes made a mistake by not signing Russell for this season? Uh, would Mercedes be in a stronger position in both championships had they signed Russell for this season? Yes. 1,000% yes. I said this exact thing at the end of the race yesterday to someone. Constructors, I, I think be... yes. Drivers, yes. I'm not so sure. Yes. Oh, you've just nailed exactly what I was about to say. Um, I think, I think Russell agree. being in that second seat would have been... Better Fireworks. news for Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, it would have been better news for Verstappen and Red Bull in a driver's sense, but worse news in a constructor's sense, yeah. I think, personally. Although, yeah. I mean, Be- having said that... A con- better, better news in a constructor's sense and worse news in a driver's championship sense, you mean? For maybe? Mercedes, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was talking yeah, about yeah, Red yeah, Bull. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. talking oh, about for sorry. Red Bull. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Uh, but yeah, it, like that. that's... The thing is, though, right... If you actually look back at the standings, Bottas actually didn't start the season as badly as we thought he did. Like when you mm-hmm. look, he was consistently on the podium, so he wasn't that bad. It's only in it's just inconsistent <laughs> over a season, yeah. isn't he? It's, it's, it's just the inconsistency, and then performances. and then 
it's it's crazy the fact that he can go from confirming his seat at Alpha and then suddenly like having performances like oh it's off his it's off his shoulders now he's like his mind's not clouded he's he's found his form again to then this <laughs> yeah like, yeah I just, mean this this, this was is all down from to times of Valtteri Bottas this this though and I've, I'll say it again this is all down to being in the wrong position it's down to that one corner and he was a little bit unlucky with the contact to spin him around I think it's probably a slightly different race yeah if, it's, a, it's a very if, if look if if Valtteri Bottas is further over to the left and he stays on the racing line and forces Max all the way around the outside the, the inside all the way down the inside of Hamilton this is a different race I think yeah but you know, like he, he, it worked out the way it did, and that's why Valtteri Bottas isn't driving at Mercedes next year. Mm-hmm. That is today. Uh, sorry, the race yesterday. This that that what kilometer of racetrack is a microcosm of why Valtteri Bottas isn't going to be a Mercedes driver next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all encapsulated in that run yeah. down to turn one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Guy Thompson says, I can't help but feel that Brazil is another established circuit that would make a fitting end to the season. What are your thoughts on Qatar and Saudi circuits and can we hope for better racing than the damp squib that is Abu Dhabi? I'd hold on for Abu Dhabi just until we've seen how it plays out with the changes, personally. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to at least see a race since the changes before our you know Astrid, seal it yeah. forever as it will always be terrible. Yeah. For racing. Can you remember when? Can you remember when we fixed Abu Dhabi? A few what was it a year ago? We fixed. It, it was last season, wasn't it? During the podcast, we, yeah. We fixed did we Abu ever Dhabi. post that, or was it just a? I think we did post it somewhere. Uh, maybe somewhere. We we just drew a lot of lines on the existing yeah. Google Maps, yeah. didn't we? But I mean, it yeah. wasn't that dissimilar to what they've ended up doing. No, which you're right. I feel like our choices were vindicated there because. The things that we drew between us have basically happened. <laughs> so. yeah. uh, I, I would prefer Brazil to be the season closer, but I'm also well aware that that's mostly because in the era I grew up watching F1, Brazil was always a season closer. So there's like a nostalgia yeah. that just feels right to me. I've got that yeah. element with Japan for some of the earlier stuff as well. Japan was yeah. always towards the end and, yeah. and even Australia as well. <clears throat> yeah. I think they should mix it up. I don't think it should be the same every year. I don't think one particular circuit should have the entire sort of weight of the championship mm-hmm. resting upon it every year. I don't think I think it's too big a weight these days for that to be the case. Yeah, I would much prefer to see it ending. They should mix it up a bit more and end at different seats. They should have a wild card circuit for the end of the season. I don't know if you've and... already read the next question, but you've just led us very nicely into it, actually. Let's do it then. Let's do the next uh, one. So Garrett wrote in about the sort of, we've discussed it a few times, different ways of uh, putting the calendar together. Uh, his suggestion is that you have a 20-race calendar with a pool of 30 races. Five races are guaranteed to reoccur every year and the remaining Ooh. 15 come from that pool of 30 races. Wow. That's so, gone the opposite way. To what <laughs> yeah. I was expecting like... 15 races consistent <laughs> and then five are like a wild card. No, he's only let his pick five. Uh, so his he's question gone the is, whole way. what are our guaranteed five races? Ooh. He's, so he's, he has said he's admitting Silverstone and Monaco because he thinks they should always be included. So the additional five he's picked are Kota, Monza, Spa, Suzuka and Nürburgring, interestingly. 
Um, so Oof. what would be your quick, very quick off the top of your head? What would be your five races that are always on the calendar? Suzuka, yeah, and Monza. I agree with those two. I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult. What are my five five races that occur? Five that you'd year. keep. They are the permanent fixtures to the calendar. Um, yeah. So obviously Silverstone because I live in the UK. Well, and... That's omitted. You're allowed that, that one's. Oh, I'm a, that, yeah. that's just he said. He said yeah. Silverstone yeah. and Monaco are, are already there. Silverstone and Monaco have buys to the season. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely Suzuka. I think we all agree definitely, on that. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Spa. Yeah, I can yeah, agree with that. Uh, Spa. So despite mine. that's your you've got your five, haven't you? There, Tom. No, um, I've got two, then, uh, three. Sorry, uh, so far now with that. So Suzuka Spa. Um, I think Circuit of the Americas is great. So I'd like to see that stay. So that's free. Then I've got. It gets tricky. Brazil's always wicked. I really like Brazil. And oh, it's so hard. Um, Austria, I love Austria. Austria's a good one. Austria's good. That'd be my five, but uh, it's still like Jeff in the chat suggesting Sochi. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good ones these days. There's, yeah. To be fair, we're, we're spoiled because they're. I mean, yeah. and, it, and it's played out over the season. There's been so so many good races. I think an easier question is which ones you get rid of. To be honest, and but that's There's a negative. Plenty on that has, list, yeah. And we and we've talked at length about which ones we'd get rid of so i like this positive spin on this uh, yeah my, one of mine that's not been mentioned is montreal oh yeah i've been there for a while i can't wait to go back there that's yeah, a wicked same. yeah do you know what so, i might also add to the list controversially go, go on because that, that'll make like a round five that we've all contributed Bahrain. But I, I, do you know what i was debating that i was debating that because there has been some interesting racing there over the years first few years of Bahrain were a bit hit and miss but that has really turned into a really good race circuit it usually produces yeah. good races yeah um, so yeah, yeah when, they, when they did that. that brief stint on the endurance circuit and then <laughs> yeah. very correctly made the decision to go back um <laughs> the endurance circuit that not even the world endurance championship use <laughs> <laughs> it's too hardcore but yeah I, I think so if we did a consensus of five between us we've got what? Monza, Monza Spa, Spa, Suzuka, Suzuka, Suzuka. Suzuka of the Americas, and Montreal. Montreal, yeah. yeah. That's, a sol- yeah that's, that's a solid five circuits. That's a podcast yeah. five. Yeah. That'll do. Pod five. <laughs> okay, last question. Uh, Wesley says, yes, Lewis could win his eighth championship this season, but would it carry more weight and meaning if he won it next year with the new car regs? Spoken like a Lewis Hamilton fan who's resigned to the fact that he's not <laughs> winning this season. Uh, do you, no, do you know what? I, I think there's something to that, though. Um, yeah, it'll be, if Hamilton wins his eighth this year and then doesn't win another one, it'll be very easy for Hamilton haters to incorrectly say, oh, well, he only won in that era when he was with Mercedes. Mercedes were the best. And I think to go into a whole, what is essentially a new formula next year and to still win a championship. Like that, that's always the mark of like the great drivers that win in no matter what you put them in. Um, yeah. While I don't think Hamilton's got anything left to prove, I think that would just be like another tick in the greatest of all time column for him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Big old, uh, big old goat. Mm-hmm. I mean, saying what you said there about winning in the best car, if he wins this season, he's not winning in the best car. No. Just to put that out there. That's very true. Definitely not. Yeah. Bax has won in the best car. This is the hardest it. Hamilton's been pushed for a title since. Ooh, that's someone. Rosberg, Tom just probably. triggered someone. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed at least. <laughs> um, I would say. <laughs> would if, it carry Hamil- more weight? I mean, it depends on how the teams shake out next year, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I think, like, if he wins it next year with what appears to be a very, very strong team, mate, then, yeah, I think probably next... If he wins the championship next year, I'd say it probably does carry a little bit more weight than this year because he is in... Isn't... I, I, I can barely... Scarcely believe I'm even saying this, but, like, the Mercedes is second class compared to the Red Bull. It's not as quick as the Red Bull. No, um, the Red Bull is definitely the fastest car this season. And, t- Chris, you said at the start of this season that Red Bull learned that you don't, if you want to beat Mercedes, you don't just show up with the quickest car. You've mm-hmm. got to have the best strategy, the best drivers, yeah. the best, the best it, everything. That's and, uh, where they've excelled though this year. They've, they've got exactly. on top of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Like Red Bull it's a, learned it's a that team performance. Really quickly. Yeah. They yeah. learned that really, really quickly. They failed at a lot of those things in the first or third of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why they're not, which is why they haven't already won the championship. Mm, they yeah. should have already they, won the championship. They, they ferrari the first third of the season. <laughs> there you go. I'll trigger some more people. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. You just live, I can hear the... Got anything to say about Williams while you're at it? <laughs> <laughs> Williams, poop. <laughs> McLaren? So, no, two orange. Not. Two orange. <laughs> Paint it silver and black and red again. Bring back Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel... <laughs> I think it, I think it probably. I'm with Chris. I think it probably would carry a small amount more weight if you win it next season because it is a new engine formula. His teammates going to be more difficult. It's going to be more of a challenge. I think Hamilton's got a lot less chance of winning a championship next season. If I'm completely honest, because mm-hmm. his, his, his teammate is going to be as much of a rival as what Max yeah. Verstappen is, and if they're nicking points off of each other, unless. His teammate, unless the Mercedes and the Red Bull are comparably quick, and all three all three of them are taking points off of each other, yeah, then it could be a bit of a one end up being a bit of a one horse race if we're not careful next year. So yeah, I'm hopeful that. Uh, but then again, you know, Williams might make an absolute weapon of a car next year and be leading the championship by mid season. So you yeah. just don't know what's going to happen. And one little caveat I'll add is the people it needs to carry more weight with to convince them are not going to be convinced by that alone anyway. Well, no, that's true. The, the, that's, the, true. The pe- that's true. I mean, those people, you just never convinced. The, the people, people that you're like. using that to, like, justify your argument to will never be convinced, full stop. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter on that grand scheme yeah. of things. I, and don't think. I think to us neutrals, or, or at least, you know, we try and look at things neutrals, objectively. neutrals, lol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean I am... Honestly, I couldn't care less if Lewis wins the title or not. Uh, do you know, like, the only time I'll not be neutral at this moment with this grid is if it's Lando Norris fighting for that world title. Maybe George Russell. But on- honestly, that's where my loyalties lie. So it's I, next season, I personally <laughs> don't care if it's Max or Lewis. But that's what I'm getting at. It, even if it was, I'd still look at it objectively. Whereas yeah. the people yeah. that would make this argument of, oh, well, Lewis has won you know, six of his titles in this superior hybrid car, 
they clearly don't they have an agenda to just slam Lewis Hamilton's achievements yeah, yeah. and don't really care about facts in the situation. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend to be neutral. Like, there we go. I, I've got you. I, it's a bit. So I've now offended Red Bull fans, Ferrari fans, and Mercedes fans. So I'm three for three. There you go. That is. Let's end it. That is. That is neutrality. That is. The, I've offended them I think all. The key, the key with this podcast is that we don't pretend we're neutral and we're very open and honest about it. It's like this is yeah. me being a fanboy of this driver. But I think yeah. I think that's it. Like when when we can feel that our own opinion is a little bit like one-sided or whatever or in the it, yeah, yeah like yeah. it's influenced by who we choose to support i think we're all quite open of i think i'm fanboying here a little bit but such and such yeah. and then we're, you know, like, and we're, we're, all, we're all quite self-reflective on the fact that sometimes we do let our you know choice in fan alignment yeah. cloud judgment a little bit but we I mean, we're trying to take it out of the equation wherever yeah. we can. But, but, but let's but let's not review our own podcast. And let's <laughs> no, no, please. Not people to review it. But <laughs> yeah, but you, you want to review on podcast. iTunes yeah. if I've not offended <laughs> you already yet. Very helpful if people did. Um, <laughs> yeah, the last thing I will say on that whole thing is that if I was a Max Verstappen fan, I would have had a much much happier day yesterday. I would have, <laughs> yes, I would have been absolutely. Tripping yesterday watching the start of that race if I was a Max Verstappen fan. And at least, yes, I will admit I'm a Hamilton fan, but at least I can take a step back and say, you know what? If I was a Max Verstappen fan, I would have bloody loved that. Exactly. And recognize yeah, how great yeah. that would be. So, exactly. yeah, I, I'm disappointed that the, the I'll admit I'm disappointed, a little bit disappointed with the way the race turned out yesterday. Um, and I, I wish I just wish Bottas had done a little bit more to defend, but we are heading into an absolutely monumental end to the season. And yeah, let's let's. I just can't wait to see how the, the remaining races turn out. Ditto. Yeah. And from my point of view, I'm uh, probably rooting for Hamilton for no other reason than I don't want to see Christian Horner's smug face if they win at the end of the season. <laughs> That's it. Savage. That's the Ooh. only. <laughs> We've definitely seen worse of Christian Horner going back to Discord this weekend. Oh, God, no. That's not a good <laughs> advert for people joining the Discord. Yeah. Right, we need to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, speaking of Discord, if you want to uh, join the uh, lovely little community we've got on there, uh, if you head to patreon.com forward slash back for the grid, all the details are there for how you can get involved. If you want to get in touch with us any other way, Facebook, Twitter, all those things, just search Back of the Grid and you will find us. You can also contact us via our website, which is backofthegrid.com, which is where you can also uh, enter the Predictions League. And even if you've got this far in the season, you've never entered, still worth it because get five out of five and you can win a prize. I think that is all the things. So it is race week once again. So we'll be back in a week's time to review the Brazilian Grand Prix. But until then, thank you all for joining us and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.